You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. And I just think this is such a perfect time, not just in our world, but even in the season of our church, to get to a place where we can just stop for a little bit and revisit vision and direction. And especially, I, I, I just need to know if you agree with me. Would you agree that in our world today, we are living in the world of extremes? Yeah. Come on, do I have to say COVID? Like, I'm serious, talk about extremes. There is a huge gap there. What about politics? <laughs> Someone just threw up. Uh, nothing wrong with politics, but there is an extreme gap, extreme gap, and it, it seems to be getting wider and deeper by the day, does it not? What about our health? What about our health? How many people are out there to say, this does not work for your body, you're killing yourself, you do this, this is poison to your body, this is what should go in your body, and on the other side you have, no, you must take this and eat all natural and do all this and do all this and do it. There are such extremes in the health world out there. What about our opinions? Talk about extremes. Why I say that even now more today than ever, because now our opinions have become absolute truth. Not just an opinion anymore, but absolute truth. You know, my discipler in Wisconsin, maybe it's because he was from Wisconsin, he said this, he said, he said opinions are like armpits. Everybody has two of them and they both stink. I'm here all morning. (laughs) But it's true. Opinions divide. Now we believe that our opinion is actually fact and our opinion is truth. So now what happens is we get this entitlement that we're right and anyone who disagrees with us is wrong. And so now we shift into entitlement to judgment, accusation, assumption, conclusions, and we wonder why we're a country divided. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. The extreme gaps have got us so far divided that we don't even know what's right or wrong anymore. What about the church? If there is one place in the world that should not be swayed and divided by extremes, it's the church. Did you just see that video? Every topic that was mentioned in that video from building to location to denomination We go to extremes. Do you realize that there are thousands upon thousands, I don't know the exact number, but it is high in the thousands of denominations, Christian denominations in the United States of America. It's crazy. Nothing wrong with denominations, but we go to extremes. 
What we believe, extremes. How we worship, extremes. All the way from stoic, can't sing, can't even have a piano in the church. All the way from bongos (laughs) to chimes, let alone lifting hands in worship. What? Extremes. What denomination? How much time you should spend doing this and doing that? What Christian a Christian should look like, talk like? Remember opinions? Exactly. On and on and on to other extremes, pointing the finger at the churches that do things differently than you to reach people for the gospel whether it's church buildings, house churches, street evangelisms, tent revivals, we then draw conclusions that if other churches don't look like us, then maybe they are not being spirit-led. That is so dangerous and toxic to the body of Christ. The church has fell victim of this toxicity of extreme. This often leads to churches living artificial lives, doing religious activity to be religious, setting their own rules and convictions, and many of you all too well know this, and many of you were not the doer, but you were the victim in this, where people then place those rules and convictions onto others. And if you do not measure up to those rules and convictions, then you are not living spiritual lives like them. And it causes Jesus, Jesus's heart to break. And then churches live in judgment placing fear on people's life that if they don't get their life right, God is gonna strike them down. And we start walking in this supernatural entitlement. Instead of loving the sheep in the fold, we hurt and run over the sheep we are called to love in the name of Jesus. This isn't right. The church is struggling. The church is being suffocated by extremes, entitlement, rules and convictions, and all along we've gotten away, we've drifted from the main thing. And so this series is all about getting us back to the main thing. The main thing, it's gonna be on the screen, is this. Take a snapshot of this because we need to be reminded of this daily. The main thing is this, following Jesus. Jesus plus nothing gives you everything. Jesus plus dying to yourself and this life as we know it gives you abundant life here and later. Following Jesus, being the church, you are the church. You're right, it's not a building. But buildings is where people gather most of the time. So there's nothing wrong with gathering in a building if the main thing stays the main thing. 
Sadly, churches get a name, they get a denomination, they get a location, they get some people, and they call it church. So be in the church where the Holy Spirit dwells inside every single follower and believer of Jesus, filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, growing to look more and more like Jesus. That is the design of the church. What's the church? Well, if you're following Jesus and you proclaim your identity is in Jesus, you're the church. Read the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament. We don't just throw the Old Testament away because of the New Testament. The Old Testament is still there, and Jesus didn't throw it out. He fulfilled it. Amen. So that we don't have to keep stumbling and failing and receiving the wrath of God because of our disobedience. But you see the Old Testament all the time in the Psalms. All the prophets and all the people of God are saying, God, we want your presence. We're hungry for your presence. All we long to be is in your courts and in your temple. Guess what? We don't have to pray that. He's with us. We don't have to say, I'm hungry for your presence. I can't wait to see you in the temple. It's no, you are with me. You are in me and I am his dwelling place. That's amazing. But the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell in you to look like the world. That's when we put the Holy Spirit on a shelf in our life. It was never designed to be that way. It's called sin, friends. Now, it can be forgiven when we confess to the Lord. But when you come to Christ, you are new and you are called to live a life of sacrifice. Yes, salvation is free through Jesus Christ. You don't have to do anything but receive it and believe it. But to look more and more like Jesus will cost you everything. Everything. Are you willing to lay down your life to look more like Jesus? This is the main thing, friends. And we do this, let us not forget, through Christ's humility and love. Many people will claim to be Christians, will claim to be a voice for God, will claim to be a pastor, will claim to know the truth, And yet, if they don't have humility and love, they prove that God's not in them. Humility and love is a requirement for following Jesus. Now, do we get it right all the time? No. That's where we come to Christ, and that's where we daily, 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 daily grow more and more and more like Jesus. While living a life of sacrifice and obedience to fulfill the Great Commission. Can we read that again, following Jesus? Can we just read that out loud? I want to make sure that it really resonates with us. Read it along with me out loud. Ready? And if you're at home, go ahead and read it too. Here we go. Following Jesus, being the church where the Holy Spirit dwells, filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, growing to look more and more like Jesus in everything we do, through Christ's humility and love, while living a life of sacrifice and obedience to fulfill the Great Commission. Are you like me now with the voice to text? I always end up saying comma. Do you, do you realize that? Like I'm, I'm leaving a message for someone or I'm just following Jesus, comma. And I keep forgetting. I make a fool of myself on messages. Hey bro, this is Phil, comma. Dear, can, can you meet tonight? Question mark. Okay, anyways, side. Main thing, the main thing. 
is great, the Great Commission. Jesus said this right before he ascended to the heavens, directed the disciples and all of his followers to go to the upper room to encounter the Holy Spirit that would abide and remain with them forever. This is what he said, his last words. You think Jesus' last words are important for the church today? Absolutely. This is where we stumble as a church because we get off the main thing. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. It doesn't say categorize people. All people, everyone. And in this world, doesn't matter their gender, doesn't matter the skin color, doesn't matter what they identify as their sexuality. This is all people that Jesus died for. All people, all backgrounds, satanic worshipers. What? Yeah, Jesus died for them too. And there's amazing testimonies you can find on YouTube. Satan worshipers literally encountering Jesus and being changed. He died for everyone. And he says, go to everyone and make disciples, followers of Jesus. Who is this for? This is for the pastors and the leaders of the church. Well, yeah, it is. But it's also for every single person who calls themselves a Christian. This is you. This is not bound to a church building or a church leadership title. This is every single person who has been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, changed and transformed by the Holy Spirit and made new and called to be light, children of light. Go make disciples. What disciples have you made in the last five years? Sadly, pastors all across the church uh, spectrum, it's rather low as well. Am I convicted of that? Absolutely. And this is why we need to realign ourselves to the vision, not just of this church, but the vision of the call of Christians making disciples. It says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then guess what? After they get wet, teach them to observe and obey all that I've commanded to you. You see, our churches today, and I'm making a general statement, are a mile wide and an inch deep. We can fill church buildings very easily. We can attract people and do things that are gonna draw them, which isn't bad in of itself. But if we stop with the baptism, we miss the whole discipleship concept, which is teaching them. What's that phrase? Is it uh, about fishing? Oh, I should know this. Teach a man. Give the man a fish. Thank you, Sherry. I, I'm, I'm embarrassed as a fisherman. I don't. Give a man a fish, feed him for a day. Teach him how to fish, feed him for a lifetime. We have anemic Christians going to church to be fed, never knowing how to feed themselves throughout the week. And let me tell you, it really isn't the pastor's job to do that for you. It's the pastor's job to come alongside the church, the leaders of the church, the elders of the church to do what we can to equip you and support you. But you are called to grow in Christ. This is the main thing, church. 
This is the main thing. And so the 4D series is all about our direction. And so I'm going to go pretty fast, but I want us to understand why we're saying 4D. You always hear 3D. We're not talking about some out-of-body, heavenly experience that not everyone can experience. I'm not talking about that 4D, okay? Escaping time as we know it. I know there's a lot of stuff that says four-dimensional living out there online. What I'm talking about is how deep and real and authentic that we are as Christians and as a church. Do we really know what we are directed to do? Do we really know who we are in Christ and what that looks like? And so I just wanna give you an example of how this can be applied in many churches. I'm not condemning, I'm not judging, I'm not casting stones, I'm just saying across the American church plane, we have a lot of different dimensions represented in the church. Our goal is to get to four-dimensional living. I'm not even gonna tell you what that is until we get to that fourth dimension. But I want to just, I want us to understand dimensions. Now, I got a C minus in geography, geometry. That's why I got a, I got a D. I got, I was bad in school. So... That's why I was a theater actor. I didn't have to do two plus three is five. Is that right? <laughs> Can we go to the, the, um, the dot? Lord have mercy on my soul. Zero dimension. So I'm not gonna talk from a classroom textbook setting because I will fail. But zero dimension means there, there's really no line. There's no direction. It's just one point of reference. It's a starting point with no dimension. So many come into the church and their starting point is just attending church. That's a good thing. It's a great thing. We wanna welcome you. We want you to be comfortable, comfortable to be yourself. We want you to ask questions. We want you to seek the truth and seek Jesus for yourself. But so many people land there and stay there. They think they believe in Jesus, they think they understand Christianity, and so they get a T-shirt with a cross on it, and they get a bumper sticker, and I'm not even knocking this. This is good. This is a starting point, right? Starting point. They're just present. They show up, or a starting point for a church is it's just a building, it's a four-wall structure. It's got some great lights. It's got some great uh, aesthetics to it, but it's still just a building. It's just a name on the marquee. It's a starting point. Sadly, so many Christians and churches never advance that starting point. Don't believe me. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's look at the starting point and those who start but don't grow to finish. But understand this, that in the last days, we're in the last days, friends, we were since Jesus ascended, and so we're getting closer and closer to the last of the last day. 
that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lover, uh, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. What? No. Did you hear that, Joseph? <laughs> Ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unpeasable, slanderous. They're talking about people saved that are looking like the world unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance, the point, appearance of godliness, but never, never seeing power and substance. It's a starting point. Maybe you're at the starting point today. You're still wondering, I would love to talk to you and to get you on the pathway to moving into a dimensional Christian that has life, substance, the abundant life, has power through the Holy Spirit and is making a difference for the kingdom of God. So we start with the starting point. There's no dimension. It's just a starting point. And then we go to one dimension, add one line, one access. So it's good. It starts from a starting point to actual movement. There's direction. You put an arrow on the top and you really can see direction. There's length. It's a straight line. There is something defined about it. But the thing is, there is no discernible qualities to the line. It's just a line. Someone, this could be someone who identifies themselves as a Christian, has a Bible, goes to church, listens to Star 93.3, which is an incredible station. If you're not a supporter of something like that, you should be. There's nothing wrong with this, by the way. I'm not condemning this. I'm just saying that this is where where some people are at, and that's where they stay. That's the dangerous part, because we're called to grow into maturity, into the full likeness of Jesus. A straight line is just getting us going. This is someone who identifies themselves but lack basic understanding of truth. This is someone who has met Jesus They're overwhelmed, they've experienced God's love and forgiveness, and yet they have no understanding of what it means to be a Christian, and they don't know how to grow, or they just don't grow. Then they get lackadaisical, then they go to what they've always known in their life, and they wonder why they don't feel God anymore. They wonder why they've lost their joy. They wonder why they don't hear God's voice. Well, here is why when you only stay aligned, this is what happens in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul says, but I, brothers, sisters, could not address you as spiritual dimensional people, but as people of flesh. Starting point with some direction, but then grew stagnant and went back to the ways that they've always known. But as people of flesh, as infants, babies in Christ, so he's saying you are in Christ. 
You are a son and a daughter of the Most High God, but you are not growing up. How many of you would love your child to always stay an infant? Some of you would. It's kind of like the church has grown up with infants that have been Christians for 20 years and still want to wear a bib, fill their diapers, and for us to spoon feed them about Christianity. We need to grow and have dimension. He says, I fed you with milk, not solid spiritual food, for you were not ready for it. You see, if you don't have dimension in your walk with Jesus, you're not ready for the solid understanding and application of the word. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. So we have zero dimension to one dimension, and then you add another dimension. Let's show that on the screen. You add another access point, and you get a shape. Now we're getting somewhere. You can see that it's a square. You can recognize a triangle, or maybe not me because I failed class, but you can represent an octagon because it now has form and substance. Now we're adding height to the length. You get something that you can begin to recognize. This is where Christians begin to actually apply what they know to be truth from God's word. This is when Christians begin to open themselves and surrender to the Holy Spirit. Let's see this in scripture. James 2, he says, this is really good. You have faith in Christ. You've been baptized. You're loving people. You're growing, but you're not applying. You're growing in knowledge, but it's not being activated here. You're talking, Christian. You're talking the gospel, but you're not moving and walking in the things of the spirit. And he says this, you have faith and I have works. He says, show me your faith apart from the works. He's not talking about salvation earned by works. He's saying that when you are saved by grace, which only comes through Jesus's death and the blood shed for you, the forgiveness of sins and the resurrection to set you free. When you are genuinely changed, your dead sin is gone and your new life in Christ has begun, you will put action to your faith. You put action to what you believe to be most important. Don't believe me. Look at your banking statement. Look at your schedule. Look at your thought life. And that's what he's saying is if your faith is truly taking on dimension, it will show up by how you live. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? And we have Christians today who love Jesus, who attend faithfully to church, and yet they are just not in a place to where they are moving in action of works, giving proof to their faith. Now, this is where, if that's you, you are loved, and this is the best place for you. 
And we want to let you know that God's grace is for you right where you at, right where you're at, but his grace is so powerful that he doesn't want you to stay there. He's got so much more for his children if they would just begin to put their faith into action and make Jesus the most important thing of their life. That's what it means for Jesus to be your Lord. So now let's get to three-dimensional. Now we're talking about something. Now we have dimension. Now we have length. Now we have height. And now we have depth. There is something powerful. You can see many different angles. And it gives a bigger picture to what that shape is. Not only is there length and direction, not only there's height, but there's depth. Putting it to action. You're applying it. Your faith is now becoming alive. And here's a reminder and a gentle warning to us all who are growing in Christ. Without continual growing in the word of God, allowing the Holy Spirit to grow you and guide you and lead you. If you become lackadaisical and stagnant and you start to get swayed by the distractions around you, the tendency is to get disconnected from the source of your faith, of your salvation and your Christian walk. You may be three-dimensional, but three-dimensional, when it stops moving, will lose its impact. That's why we see in Revelation, Jesus's message to the church in Ephesus. It says this, I know your works. These, these are three-dimensional Christians. These are people, movers and shakers for the gospel but something has happened through circumstances and life and the things around them and distractions. They've lost something. They're still doing the religious activity. They're still bearing the name of Jesus. They, they cannot bear with those who are evil. They've tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary. And Jesus is saying, keep it going. You're three-dimensional, but here's the problem. He says this, but I have this against you. Now, Jesus is saying, I love you. I've saved you. I'm redeemed. I've redeemed you but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had first. You've abandoned your first love, Jesus. Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent, turn, seek forgiveness, confess your sins and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. This is not talking about salvation. This is talking about three-dimensional Christians who choose to stop growing in Christ. And what do they lose? Their influence. You lose your witness. You lose 
your impact. You lose the light that is supposed to draw many people to Christ. And sadly, so many Christians have found themselves in this place of becoming three-dimensional, growing, and yet lacking life. Impact. Abundant life. And that's why we get to four-dimensional. Four-dimensional is all about radical living. It's all about your priorities surround the number one main thing. It's all about being aligned and all you consume is through the filter of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God. This is about sacrificing much and Jesus talks about counting the cost over and over and over and over again. Radical living is about losing your rights so that you may win people to Christ. Man, what would happen to the church in America? What would happen to America if people who call themselves by the name of Christ, Jesus began to live radical Christian life? It would change everything. And it would get our culture back to the place where Christianity shifts and drives culture and not culture driving the church. This is where it's at, church but it will cost you much to be four-dimensional. But the reward is everything, everything, everything. So this is when you have four-dimensional is when you have a genuine relationship with Jesus. You can find it in those words there. When you're seeking the face of God in prayer consistently, our prayer I tell you, makes, I think sometimes our prayer life makes the Lord vomit. I'm talking about me too. We need to get back to a life of prayer. No move of God happens without people consistently and sacrificially praying. You want God to move in your life? Make time to pray. And I'm not talking about casting a list before the Lord. I'm talking about casting your life down before the Lord. Allowing the word of God to come alive in you with power through how you live. Sacrificial surrender and obedience. You know one thing that's missing from the church? Why we don't see power is we're not obedient anymore. Obedience is a curse word in the church. Obedience is everything. The Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. And so I want to leave you with this as the band comes up. It's in Acts chapter 2. And I want you to see for yourself what four-dimensional Christianity looks like. Now... When the disciples came out of the upper room from Pentecost, the Holy Spirit literally first ever came and came upon them and filled them with the power of the Holy Spirit, remained with them, and incredible things happened. And everyone thought they were drunk and crazy. And so Peter's able to come out, and this is the first sermon Peter ever gave. And Peter comes out and says, Brothers, they said, the crowd, like over 3,000 people. 
Thousands of people are there for the celebration of Jewish festivals. And they're there and they encounter this and they're drawn to the upper room. And Peter said to them, repent. Repent, confess of your sins and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So many of us, one-dimensional, two-dimensional, we have Jesus, but we've never received his gift. It's like getting an incredible gift at Christmas and just leaving it there all year long without even opening it and using it. It's a gift because we cannot do anything of supernatural, spiritual kingdom value without the Holy Spirit moving in us, through us, and out of us. And that takes a life of surrender, dying to self, surrendering to life in the Holy Spirit. I know I'm speaking to someone. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, Peter bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying this, save yourselves from this crooked generation. He's saying, turn. Next. So those who received his word were being baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 people. And they devoted themselves, here's four dimensional, to the apostles' teaching, which was the teaching of Jesus. They devoted themselves to fellowship, connecting real relationships with people, life on life, to the breaking of bread, Food, but also the Lord's Supper and the prayers and awe, 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 shock, wonder, amazement, attention, and all awe began and came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing them to the, pro, uh, the, the proceeds to all as any had need. This is four-dimensional church. And day by day, attending the temple together. This is where, I know I gotta close, but this is where I get really, really passionate about the church. Because a lot of people say, well, we don't need church today. We just need to gather in homes or we need to just go out and be the church. No, they, they were living life with each other, making disciples, eating together, taking communion together, praying together. But every day, where do they go? Church. They worship together. They learn together. They grew together. And we have one church service once a week, and it's like pulling teeth just to get the family to one. Four-dimensional living is all about prioritizing what's most important. And they received together breaking bread in their homes, and they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Where's the generous, where's, where's the thankful hearts in the church anymore? And the Lord added to their number day by day, day by day. It's hard for churches to add 10 people to their church attendance roster in a year. Day by day, those who are being saved. Pray with me.
Lord Jesus, I just ask for your forgiveness. Just getting off alignment with what's most important. Father, I, I want to lead my family. I want to lead my life in a way that is four-dimensional, in a way that is saturated and consumed with the love of Jesus, the humility of Jesus, and the fruits of the Spirit. And I pray for every single person here. You would align them, Father, to your Son, Jesus. Would you teach us even today in this moment as we respond through song and worship and communion? Would you lead us just to continue to start speaking Jesus over everything in our lives? Jesus, you are everything. We make you Lord. We make you center. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a reason, church, we do response here. Some churches don't do response, and that's okay. We do response so that you would respond to God and worship accordingly. And now we've made it available in the corners. There's communion available. Don't have to take communion if you don't want, but every Sunday they're going to be right there. And during response worship, if you're led to take your family, your spouse, your friends to the communion table and partake in communion, please do so on your own. There will be some Sundays throughout that we'll do communion corporately. But I just felt the Lord really lead strongly that we need to make that available every Sunday for you to connect and to commune with the Father. So whatever you do in this moment, whether you come up to the altar, whether you stay seated and pray, whether you stand and sing and worship and lift your hands and surrender, this is your time to surrender and respond to God. Let's worship, guys. Would you stand? Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.